Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm joined today by Mr. Ben Gretsch of the Ceiling Signals Substack. If you're not signed up, go and do that. I'll leave a link to that in the description of this program. I am a loyal subscriber, happy to do it. Niche. Uh, boutique fantasy football content is really having a moment right now. You love, you love to see it. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. Yeah, I mean that's probably how you describe it. I kind of just write about all sorts of random things that I feel like other people aren't covering, but not the, you know, the sleepers and all the all the normal like temple stuff that you see everywhere. Yeah. Uh. Okay. I want to start with Trey Lance because the discourse right now. I mean, one, the discourse is kind of crazy to me because. Trey Lance is going to be 23 years old and we still don't really have a representative sample of him playing in the NFL. I think the the stat is that he going back to his age 18 first year at was he South Dakota State or North Dakota State? North Dakota South, State. North Dakota State. He's thrown 486 passes. So you got 486 passes of data on Trey Lance right now in the big board. He is the quarterback 15 goes right behind Aaron Rodgers, right ahead of, of a bunch of guys who the, we think are going to be bad, probably, or or mediocre. Goff, Russell Wilson, Derek Carr. No no league winners in that group. I think probably you could argue Anthony Richardson is the biggest comp to him. We don't know how many games he's going to be starting. I just I can't possibly quit Trey Lance at his cheapest point. I just can't. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, a bet you have to go into knowing there's a lot of ways it could play out, right? I think the the fantasy football community, the social media, Twitter community is way too confident in a lot of the takes. Um, to your point, like we don't even have a, any kind of a sample. I think most of everything we've heard from the team, these quotes this last week that everyone's reacting to are essentially exactly what you would expect to hear about Trey Lance at this point. And then especially after they signed Donald, like, they're not going to be like, yeah, we signed Darwin. We're not going to give him any chance to play. Like they just convince this guy to come to their team. They think quarterback depth is something they need to address. Makes sense. Two of their right. quarterbacks got hurt last year, but they're not going to come out publicly right after making promises to Sam Darnold, the former top five pick, and then say, yeah, I mean, that all, if all goes to plan, he's our number three quarterback. We're not even going to use him. We're going to turn him into, you know, Nick Foles, what, what Nick Foles has been in, in some spots. Um that's not, I mean, that's not what you'd expect him to say. And the stuff they said about Purdy is not at all what you'd expect him to play to say. But we were just talking before the show. I mean, I think as well as Purdy played, we is sort of what you would have expected from Purdy going into him taking over a situation in season. We were talking about it in season that was the bar none, the best situation to enter for a quarterback in the league last year. I think it arguably was one of the best, like softest landing spots for a quarterback I've ever seen in the NFL. The skill position talent the offensive line he was playing behind and the defensive talent on that roster, you don't have to do really anything. I felt like if, if he was 500 as a starter, that was a massive failure, which is not the case for most seventh round rookie quarterbacks thrust into a starting role. They're, they're going to have more of an impact on wins and losses than Purdy really needed to have. He just needed to not make a lot of bad mistakes. And he did make some mistakes in this limited sample. He played very well too. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to overstate it, but he goes into the playoffs. He wins playoff games in one of the weakest conferences we've ever seen in playoff history. The NFC was a joke last year in the in the playoffs. And ultimately, you have the quotes that you're getting from the team now that make sense, that you ride with this guy who did really well and, and helped you get to the, to the NFC championship. You can understand why George Kittle was talking about that at, 
you know, the Super Bowl and media day and stuff that, yeah, Purdy led us to the NFC Championship. Obviously, they're going to be, you know, pumped about what he was able to do. At the same time, like, I don't think we have any indication that Brock Purdy is the second coming of Tom Brady, which is what a lot of people seem to be acting like, right? That, like, that is like a, a not uncommon take is people invoking the name of Tom Brady, like truly in the environment of sports, like an all-time unicorn. Like, I don't right. think we'll, we'll never see anything like, I, I, I think if you want to invoke the name of a later round draft pick, undrafted free agent guy who lands in a good situation, I think the name to evoke is Romo where Romo was sure. like a, a 98th percentile of what you could expect from a guy who came in his situation, but was, and was really good, but was limited a little bit. And, and um, I mean, honestly let down by his team a little bit in, in some spots too. a big, big Tony Romo guy, but yeah. even that after seeing the sample we saw of Purdy, even that, even this unbelievable borderline hall of fame career of Tony Romo, is still a crazy projection based yeah. off of the sample we saw of Brock is still and and this is I I said this to Corrine this morning and we're going to talk more about this on ADP chasing tomorrow so we can go on to some prospects up after a little bit but I think Brock Purdy at his 80th percentile 85th percentile outcome still presents you with the same fundamental problem that you had with Jimmy Garoppolo and was why they took Trey Lance instead of Mac Jones which is that you're still bringing a knife to a gunfight at the quarterback position, even though your whole roster is like the fucking death star, you know, you got all these weapons, although Kittle is 30, you know, they're kind of, you know, they, they're kind of trending McCaffrey? out of that. Yeah. yeah. McCaffrey's 29, 28. Yeah. He's um, up there. So, and I still expect McCaffrey to be good. And like, they'll, they can make a running back out of anything. Um, and the but offensive that's... line, that, I, I mean, I agree with you. That's what I, I think Lance would have been really good in 2022. And I think that's a take to know. And, and, and if you agree with what both me and you are saying, like if the listener agrees that Purdy hasn't shown that much yet, then you can go into this Lance discussion this offseason more probabilistically. Like even if Purdy is healthy in plays, there's no guarantee he beats out Lance because fundamentally Lance from a physical perspective does more for an offense and makes them more dynamic. Like you were saying, if Lance plays really well, in training camp and preseason, they haven't said they're not going to give Lance a chance. They're said, you know, the worst they've said is they'll give him part of the first team reps. What if he comes out and looks great? And looks Trey really Lance good. Looks good. Yeah. And you, and the offenses that have had mobility at quarterback have been a lot tougher to defend for the defenses that want to do bend, don't break, sit back and cover two shells. That's what, that was a big storyline in 2022, right? Like Justin Fields found a lot of room to run. The Giants overperformed in part because they leaned into Daniel Jones' mobility, the Falcons overperformed in part because they leaned into Marcus Mariota's mobility, Jalen Hurts, and what the Eagles were able to do. Mobile quarterbacks had a, a coming out party big time in 2022 from a scheme perspective with what defenses wanted to do. I think Lance could, at his peak, as you said, add a dynamic to the offense. It's not bringing a knife to a gunfight, like you said. Completely agree with that. If he's good enough, he still has the highest ceiling. He can just win the job. And then we haven't even talked about the fact that Purdy is rehabbing from a torn UCL. This is like... Tommy John surgery in baseball pitchers missed like 18 months off this injury. He's apparently not like what, not getting FC, not getting surgery and already there had was. Surgery. So there was, uh, they did. a, And I looked into this cause I'm so invested in the Trey Lance bags. It's like a hybrid surgery. They wouldn't do this for a, a pitcher because it doesn't either. It doesn't heal it in the same way or it doesn't, you know, cause sometimes in baseball, these guys get the Tommy John and they actually, when they're fully recovered, actually add a little bit of velocity. Cause I think it shortens the tendon. I, I'm not a fucking doctor. So don't like, don't take <laughs> I, like, I'm just, I'm doing my best with what my brain can understand. So it was like, this would be more like a, they do this for a football player only or like hockey or, or something like that, but they wouldn't do this for a pitcher basically with the idea of it's going to get you it's going to get you to where you want to be but you're going to recover way faster you're going to be able to start using your arm way faster than it would if we did the the comprehensive baseball pitcher repair got it now it feels like a lot to ask this seven what he was literally mr relevant right he was literally the last pick of the draft so you have this crazy whirlwind experience you suffer this crazy injury which which was a bummer because I think that 49ers Eagles game could have been really good. Um, and the 49ers, I think, could have won that game probably. But it's just I feel like it's asking a lot to be like, okay, so you got a rehab 
super fast from this injury. You got to heal really well. And then you got to come back and Trey Lance and Sam Darnold are going to be getting all these reps, you know, practicing They're gonna, And you got to come in and, and be like, yeah, you're better than them. And it's just such a weird situation. And it feels like maybe one of the things people are thinking is, especially after some of the horrible L's that have been taken at the quarterback position with these risky picks the last couple of years, uh, Lance is a rookie fields as a rookie. Some of the, I mean, Kenny Pickett, like the, none of the rookies worked out last year, like whatever Malik Willis's ADP was in the big board. You did not get paid off on, well, and on Lance that again at all. year two. <laughs> Lance again in year two. Sure. And it feels like something that people are doing, um, is just basically being like, you know, I'll just kind of cobble it together at quarterback at quarterback two specifically. It's not worth taking the zeros from Lance. Um, I kind of think it is because, the market has gotten much more efficient at quarterback, right? Like Hertz and Mahomes and Allen are so expensive now that finding a guy to rival those scores in the later rounds, like actually feels impossible. Massive. And it would be a huge hit if you could do it. It feels impossible. And if Lance, I completely agree. If Lance does what he could do, what the thesis was last year and even the year before when we were pretty confident he wasn't even going to start, but still we're taking him for upside. Like the, the dude ran for 1,100 yards and 14 touchdowns in his only college season. I understand, you know, lower competition level and all of those things. But I mean, he was incredibly good. Um, as I mean, he was 28 0 TD to interception ratio as a pass. Like, people like don't. Like, yeah. I think, I think what the market is saying is that there's no chance Lance can actually play well enough to win the job. So any playing time he gets, it, it's, it's treating him like a handcuff running back. Like, uh, like Daryl Williams or something. There's no way he can play well enough that they want to give him the job. Which doesn't make any sense because the 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 Brock Purdy timeline is best case scenario. He's ready for week one, right? Like it right. seems like there's a very even in a scenario where Purdy is clearly ahead of Lance, a very likely scenario or possibility that Purdy's just not ready yet, and they don't rush him, and they they're like, okay, we're gonna give Lance the first month and have Purdy come back week five if we if that's what the direction we need to go in, right? But I mean, unless you really think they're going to start Sam Darnold week one, which I don't believe is really possible. I think those quotes are because they just signed him. Like, I don't think that's going to be the actual outcome. I'm not saying Lance is a star. I've seen a lot of people point out that it seems like we're clinging to Lance prospect takes. I was anti-Lance. I was fields over Lance. I didn't like his ADP in uh, rookie drafts. He was going ahead of fields typically in rookie drafts and super flex. He's like the 102 that year. I wasn't big on him as a prospect. I got bigger on him last year. And then now I feel like, like you said, with the price going down now, I'm not certainly not clinging to prospect takes. To me, it's like what you made the case of. You can't get that type of upside at the cost you're getting. I'm not going to be out on him at this point. I I think people are overreacting. And I I would guess he probably gets cheaper, actually, as like one's best ball mania launches in in a month's time. Like my my guess is he probably gets cheaper and he's probably weirdly weirdly i think he'll probably get a little bit more expensive in dynasty though where where just because there's like a chance um like i don't i don't think i think actually a a good quarterback to send trade offers out for is jordan love uh just if there's any chance jordan love is good um which i don't know i i sent a tweet out yesterday about jordan love that got people really riled up there are real jordan love believers out there uh which is was i don't know which was just sort of interesting to me i don't really have any opinions on jordan love but i don't, i, I, I that's yeah. surprising to me why would you he doesn't have any like real mo- mobility it's interesting that there's real jordan Love. he was re- and really it was just so painted to me by his the game he started an arrowhead against kansas city he just it was like it was honestly it was like the malik willis titans game plan it's like they didn't want him to do anything they just they would just like Please do not just don't throw, don't run, don't move. Just like hand, like you yeah. are, you are Nick Mullins to us, basically. We'll take our L and we're fine with it. Like we yeah. don't even care. We're not trying to win this game. We're not going to win in Kansas City. No. It was, it was, it just. I just remember thinking that was so bizarre. Like you spend the twenty eighth overall pick on this guy, and then you actually like have a spot for him to start. And who knows? Like I mean, obviously the stuff with Rogers was so weird. Like. What what was practice like for Jordan Love? Like it was probably awful. He probably hated coming to work every single day. So like I I get that. Um, and maybe there's like a little bit upside there, but I I don't know. That like I can't get that game out of my head. I, I I mean I do like the call though. Like for everything you just said about Rogers, Rogers has actually only ever said really great things about Love, which is interesting because he that is interesting. Like he'd be really willing to just be 
very blunt and be like, yeah, I don't like the guy, but he's always like, none of this is Jordan's fault. Yada, yada, yada. Like I wish Jordan the best. I, I think really highly of Jordan. He's an awesome guy. Some of that's maybe, you know, his own sort of ego and hubris and stuff where he had a lot of thoughts when Favre left about the way Favre left. So he knows it would be hypocritical if he didn't pass it on to the next guy in the way that he wished Favre did at that time. You know, you remember like how Rogers was kind of like, pretty angry at the time when Favre left. So I don't know, maybe some of it's that, but he seems to genuinely like love, even though I agree with you. I I, it's, I would not want to be Aaron Rodgers backup. I bet Jordan Love hated, hated the last two years. <laughs> Could not have been fun. I got a, I got a trivia question for you, actually. All right. There's, I think there, there's sort of this expectation in the market that the Jets offense is going to be so good with Aaron Rodgers and, and the fantasy values will correspond. Do you, and I bet you'll get this last Packers 1,000 yard wide receiver who wasn't Devontae Adams. I'm going to guess Greg Jennings. Jordy Nelson. Okay, I skipped Jordy 20, Nelson. 20, 2016. 2016 okay. was the last time. Uh, so I like, I, the, I, and I just went through these this morning. My, my takeaway was like, Garrett Wilson's going to be totally fine, even if Rodgers kind of plays like shit. But wish casting on Al Nazard or Corey Davis or Tyler Conklin or whoever is a little bit misplaced. Cause that's not really the way Rogers has ever done it. It's one year, one year, Jordy Nelson and Devonta Adams both smashed. I think Nelson had 14 touchdowns and Adams had 12, but mostly for like the last five years or so it's just been Adams and that's been it. Yeah. I mean, that's, I'm hoping Garrett Wilson can be that, right? But yeah, other than that, I should have got that. I should have got that trivia question. I'm embarrassed. People, Jordy Nelson, sort of weird. Jordy Nelson kind of missed, like, he's not part of, like, fantasy football lore. You don't really hear. I think it's because he was such a weird player, like, not really a prospect. Didn't play. I don't think he played at all until year three, really. He, He got, he got in a. If I remember right, he got in a playoff, very similar to Janice, actually. He got in a playoff game in year two because of injuries and then came on the next year and then didn't end his career with the Packers. I think that's another thing that's weird. Well, and, and it went away quick. Like, he was elite, and then he had one down year at the Packers, and then he was gone, and then he was gone. out of the league, right? Yes. Like, it was just it was just done. Like, within a year or two, he came on late, like you said, shine bright, and for a short amount of time yeah, and then was gone. He went without an injury, no injury. He went from 97 receptions, 1300 yards, 14 touchdowns to 53 catches, 482 yards, six touchdowns. Like it just like evaporated over. And then out of the league, like a year later, like just insane. Yeah. Uh, okay. Prospects. I, I don't know any of your prospect takes. I don't know. I don't know where you're at. Uh, let me let me toss this one out to you to begin with because I got in this argument with Anthony Amico uh, yesterday. He has Anthony Richardson ranked number one in Superflex Dynasty <sighs> rookie rafts, which I I don't think it is a stupid position. No. I actually think I actually think long term historical trends. If you just said you can have a running quarterback who's like this crazy freak. Or you can have just a you know really good running back, like just in general, you're taking the quarterback over the running back. Um, my my counter was that I think Bijan is like a meme, and I think players who get like meme level popularity in the community, their on field performance matters so much less to their trade value. <laughs> and my it's true. my my example for that was Barkley, where Barkley was hurt and kind of dog shit when he played and use less as a receiver. And then he really rebound. Like he was good last year and sure. Maybe Barkley, you couldn't trade him for what you could have after he was like the best running back in the league as a rookie, but he never cratered in value. And, and certainly you could have gotten more for him in a trade than his on-field production would have given you. So I think it's uh it's like Bijan's like hitting a double hundred percent of the time, basically. For sure. And we've had a really good run the last couple of years on the high end running back talents. And I think that's helping Bijan. Even last year, I think people well, were not, a little not skeptical. Clyde. Not Clyde. Well, I mean I well, I said talents. I didn't say, you know, <laughs> I, I well, didn't Clyde, say draft capital. Clyde, did, Clyde went first overall over Jonathan Taylor in He did in uh, some places, but that was because of landing spot. Pre-draft, he wasn't even considered a top. No, he was like he was like back. the tenth. He was like the tenth, uh, like the one ten. Yeah. Um 
but Jonathan Taylor, Saquon, you mentioned, I mean, even going back to Zeke, Brees Hall last year, I think people were a little skeptical of then looked amazing. And people are like, oh man, running back talent does matter. And we're in this little you know window. There's always ebbs and flows, but people are just like, yeah, like running backs can't bust is, is kind of where we're at as a community. A, a guy as good as B. John Robinson is going to be great. He's going to be Jonathan Taylor. He's going to be Brees Hall. He's going to be Saquon Barkley because that's what the prospect profile tells us. The reality is a guy can look like that and still not be good. We've seen that. I mean, Najee Harris is a recent example of one that people were really, really high on was going top three in super flex and hasn't been good that people just kind of conveniently don't want to talk about. I think Bijan's a better prospect than Najee ever was probably going to go higher in the reality draft, but Najee was not even a good prospect. I I sort of hate that Najee gets lumped in with first round running backs because that to me just feels like a team level mistake. Whereas like, I don't know, I can't, I guess, and Clyde was a team level mistake too. And most of the other first round running backs in the last even 10 years have largely been just like really good running backs. Yeah. And that's not a hindsight take. I mean, that's something that the dynasty community, like analysts who are looking at it, were saying in real time that those are team level mistakes, taking Najee, taking Clyde. So I think you're right there. But I, I mean, I agree with you on the Bijan thing. I, I think uh, Amico's take of, of Richardson 101 is really interesting. He certainly has the highest ceiling. I think the top six is like a really clear tier. And, and it's a really interesting year because you can kind of rank it any way you want. Other than probably Bijan has to be, you know, top two or top three. But I mean... I, I I think he's I'm one. actually so I'm with I'm with the take that Richardson for fantasy purposes should probably be the first quarterback taken because I just and I'm always willing to be wrong but I don't really see Bryce Young or CJ Stroud profiling as the type of guy who's like just finishing quarterback four year after right. year you know maybe like one crazy Kirk Cousins uh, touchdown efficiency season where they really spike or something but Stroud ran a little bit I don't think Bryce is going to run at all. Uh, I would be I'd be surprised if he becomes more than like a like a, a Joe Burrow level run a Joe Burrow level yeah. runner could, he could be but I think any more than that I'd be very surprised and the all the comps I hear on Stroud and I, I'm not like breaking down the tape or anything is it's a lot of like yeah really good Kirk Cousins type or like you know what no no one's no one's being like yeah this guy is the next quarterback to break the league or whatever. Okay, but the thing, so where I was going with Richardson, I think it's a clear top six. I I don't, actually don't think he should be the first quarterback taken. I do agree with the upside thing, and I'm usually, like, upside over absolutely everything. But but his floor is XFL in two years. It's very low. He did not actually run for a ton of yards in college. Like, he doesn't have the Lamar Jackson rushing profile. He doesn't have really – it's a, it's a solid rushing profile, but for how ridiculous his combine was, he didn't have, like – massive rushing numbers is what i'm you know getting at and then also we know that there were some issues with this passing profile as well as passing stats before the combine and i think we don't take a long enough view on a lot of this stuff like the issue with a guy like justin herbert was in my mind he didn't have a couple great years of tape in college and so the dynasty community thought he wasn't good he still goes top 10 he had been a high school like a top like a five-star prospect out of high school and had always kind of been a top guy goes top 10 and we kind of missed all that because we're just like, yeah, hey, he wasn't very good the last couple of years in college. Richardson, obviously an incredible athlete, I think was probably a, a top prospect out of, out of high school as well. But like, if you take a little bit of a longer view on him, just to go back to pre-combine, I think like just looking at his production in the season, people were not even putting him in the first round of super flex, like early mm-hmm. stuff in January. Cause he didn't look like a legit first round, necess- like guaranteed locked in pick. And so the combine now, now part did- of that is because, we didn't know if the NFL was going to view him that way. And I think everyone's yeah. all in on the NFL viewing him that way now. Right. The combine did clarify that draft capital is probably going to be there. Like there's some concern that he could slip a little bit, but there's a strong possibility. Now he goes in the top 10. Maybe if he slips, it's still in the first round. And we got a confirmation, not that like, he, it's not really double counting when you're saying we expected him to be a great athlete, but he came out and was a ridiculous athlete, right? Like was otherworldly. There, there's actually new information there that he tested on another stratosphere. Having said all that, like, I do think it's relevant to go back far enough to say that, like, yeah, the way that he played quarterback and his production and all of that had people in the early offseason saying that he maybe wasn't even a first-round pick, even though we know the value of his athleticism. We know the value of rushing quarterbacks. 
because he isn't really a great bet to stick long term. So are you just betting on that sort, sort of ceiling? fieldsy actually? Whereas right. like whereas like Fields, I think we all know if we were guaranteed eight more years of this guy starting, he'd be we like we he might you might even take him number you might take him over Mahomes and Hurts even. But it's like there's enough of a lingering like well maybe Chicago just decides he's not the guy in a year, right. you know. And this is like Hurts prior to last year, right? And then now Hurts made the Super Bowl run. He's got some insulation. But this idea of Anthony Richardson's uh, fantasy value and dynasty value multiple years from now, if he is a hit, if he has these monster fantasy seasons, I think is greater than the reality of how his dynasty value will actually manifest. Like Justin Fields just ran for a thousand yards, became the third quarterback to ever do that. We know what that means for his overall upside. And yet to your point, and it's a great comp, they – like people still don't necessarily want to pay the, the iron price for Justin Fields in dynasty. Like we're still a little cautious about his long-term viability. And if Richardson comes out, starts for a couple of years, runs well, gives you a lot of numbers. I don't think you can just sell him. If he's also not playing the quarterback position. Well, Lance is another great example. We haven't seen a lot of him, but the perception of him is, yeah, the rushing can be great, but he can't play quarterback well enough to guarantee me that he's a long-term starter. So I'm not buying him anymore. I think that's what we could see from Richardson a year or two years from now. So when you actually think through how it plays out, like he could be really good, but you also aren't necessarily getting that longevity. Like you just said, if we knew Fields was giving us 10 years, if I knew Richardson was going to give me 10 years as a starter, yeah, I'd take him one-on-one. Absolutely. But I think there's real concern that not only do we not know that, that the community's never actually going to buy into it at any point in his early career, unless he's like Lamar Jackson level, but even Lamar Jackson right now, right? Like, is going through it where it's all some of that's contract related, but a couple injuries. Now the NFL teams are not buying in. There's this weird thing with rushing quarterbacks right now. There's probably a hint of racism in it, but like they don't want to buy into these guys being long-term quarterbacks. And I don't think that the, the actual dynasty values in the community stay as high as people think they do in theory. Right. So like, it's, I, it's one of those weird things where, and sometimes this this really is like a very specific super flex thing where it's like, I have this guy, I've got Anthony Richardson and I don't want to trade him because he's going to score so many points. And the trade offers I get are all like fair, but I can't click except where it's like, it's like they have such a nebulous trade value. Like you yeah. and I did a trade for Patrick Mahomes last off season. Uh, probably look because uh, Elijah Moore. I guess it'll we'll figure out this season if that was a good deal for me. If Elijah Moore, if Elijah Moore turns into a pumpkin, I lose that one. Um, but it's like that was just like we didn't really have to work too hard on figuring out a deal that made sense because we just knew you knew exactly what you were yep. getting, you knew exactly the point distribution you were going to get. Um, and that is not the way it is because no. the guy who has Lamar, the guy who has Anthony Richardson, the guy who has Trey Lance probably also one paid like a really high price for him. And, and there's a little bit of, uh, you know, sunk cost fallacy with that, but also it's just like, you, you can just see this guy's going to get me 350 points. If I just keep him on my team this year, you yeah. know, but three years from now, like who knows? So it's, it's hard to engineer trades for these guys, which yeah, is I, a problem in drafting them. Cause you're never going to want to sell them. Right. It's going to be hard to do. I've had a lot of conversations about Lance in Dynasty. I, I last I, I wasn't really in on him, I mentioned, so I didn't have him in any rookie drafts, actually. But I tried to buy him in a couple spots last offseason and didn't end up making those deals. But you and I made a deal where I paid probably twice as much as I was looking to pay for Lance to get my homes for exactly the reason you said. I mean, I've experienced that exact thing. Like you have those discussions. It's harder to to pull the trigger. And I saw a lot of people trying to sell Lance last offseason when he was getting hyped in redraft and people like me were in on Lance in redraft but nobody wanted to buy him a dynasty right for for all the reasons we're talking about these are not as lengthy of you know the the way that the actual market is going to treat these guys and and obviously they're human beings I always you know it's always a little unfair to call them assets and stuff but the way that the market's going to look at them as assets is that they don't have as much longevity as you know, it seems when we're talking about them in, in the drafts, which is important because a, a big argument for Richardson over Bijan is like, oh, yeah, quarterbacks play 15 years and running backs, you know, have a peak of like three or four. Right. And it might be the case that they both have peaks of three or four years. Right. Which is that sort of maybe that'll be like a new meta thing in the NFL where these teams draft these quarterbacks in the first round and then 
they do what the Ravens are doing with Lamar. And they say, you know, we tried to win a Super Bowl paying you a reasonable contract. We don't want to pay you any more than that because of X, Y, or Z. And uh, we'll draft another one. You know, we'll draft uh, Will Levis or, or, you know, we'll we'll just do something else to get another quarterback on the rookie scale, which is uh, it's sort of inter- like I hadn't really thought about that until right now. But like Anthony Richardson yeah. debating his contract stuff with whatever team takes him in four years is going to be really interesting because my guess is he will probably be very fieldsy and that he's going to just win. He's going to absolutely snatch victory from the jaws of defeat with like some crazy run, you know, off the back foot, 60 yard frozen rope to Amon Ross St. Brown or whatever. I really hope he goes to the lines. That would be so good for fantasy, (laughs) but, but also he's going to have some games where he goes like, 17 of 35 for 112 yards and three picks. And right. the thing that would save Richardson would be avoiding the sacks. Fields just fucking loves to get sacked. I mean, yeah. it's his sack rate is so much worse than every other quarterback in the league. Like Joe Burrow gets nagged a lot for taking way too many sacks. Fields gets sacked almost twice as much as Burrow does. It's it's over 11 or it's over 13% of his career dropbacks have ended in a sack. Like it's, it's, it's really, really bad. Yeah. It's incredibly bad. And I'm a huge field stand, but like, it's incredibly hard to, to argue anything other than what, like that's terrible. Like it's, that's, that's my reservation on the bears, like building around him because there's been a lot of research done about sack rate being owned by quarterbacks and not like Mahomes never gets sacked. Like everyone remembers that Buccaneers game, the Super Bowl, and everyone just remembers him laying on his ass the whole time. But he actually only got sacked three times. Yeah. You know, it's like, and and I, I don't, again, I'm not super deep in the Anthony Richardson film, so I don't know if that is going to be a problem for I, him I, or not. I think Crane was telling me he doesn't get sacked at a very high rate. I, I Don't quote me on that, but I, I'm quoting people who do more prospect research than me. But I'm pretty sure he that's actually a pro for him. I mean, that would be a huge pro for them for the team that drafts him winning games is if he uh you know if he if he's not taking because like when you only complete oh man shit i'm gonna i'm gonna do the same thing i saw a great thing on twitter the other day and i'm gonna i'm gonna misattribute it but there was this great soundbite of basically like we we've come to fetishize completion percentage the same way we used to do with batting average and baseball in the 80s and actually like you're missing a huge you're missing a huge chunk of the picture right because a guy can complete 53% of his passes, but if he's good on third downs, if he's not turning the ball over, whatever, like there are reasons why you can have a sustainable offense with a lower completion percentage. Are you saying ADOT is walk rate? Because I, I think it, you know, like the difference between average and OBP and and obviously if you have a higher ADOT, you're allowed to have a lower completion percentage. Yeah, I right? think I think ADOT plays into it. I think sack rate would play into sure. it. And, and scrambles, right? Scrambles have to play into it too because – a play where, uh, you know, Derek Carr is going to have to throw the ball away to turn into a four-yard gain for Justin Fields or Anthony Richardson or these guys because that's yeah. that's like what they bring to the position. So I don't, I'm not killing Richardson for the low completion percentage, and I don't think, like the NFL, something's got to give because I don't think it's sustainable for all these offenses to throw so much but have the A dot go so far down. Cause just like from a schematic perspective, doesn't that feel like a much easier thing? Like that's easier to defend than an offense that just wants to like, just, you know, 25 yard routes on every play. Oh, that's definitely what defenses. That's definitely what defenses want. I I completely agree with that. So that's, that's sort of fascinating. So that's just the first two guys in, in the draft. Who do you like more between Bryce and Stroud right now? Stroud. I mean, I think he's like minus 300 to be the one-on-one, first of all. I, I don't mind the landing spot in Carolina. I think Frank Reich's a little bit of a you know B-leaguer. I don't think he's definitely a bad coach or anything. I think he's probably a little bit underrated as a as a coach and, and could be a good coach to have. They don't obviously have DJ Moore or Christian McCaffrey or anybody anymore, but um, I think you know Thielen and DJ Chark are good veteran ads for a, a rookie quarterback to come into. Terrace Marshall showed a little bit of life last year. There's some weaponry there. I don't think they're going to be like for sure horrible, horrible. Um, the the Texans I think are getting a little bit better too, but I think the Texans is just objectively a worse spot to land to, just the way that they've been the last several years. Um, 
And Stroud, I think, is just a little bit of a better prospect. Like, he's played really well against really top competition. I mean, he's played really well at the, in the national championship and stuff. So, um, he's a dude that I, I, I think is going to be good. Like, the, the concerns about the rushing ability are real. And we don't know, you know, are um, – is that something that he's going to – does he have the real peak? as a, as a quarterback, the in-season peak. But I do right. think like in terms of the long-term starter level quarterbacking, I mean, yeah, he played with really good receivers all through college, but like this last year, JSN was hurt and he still played really good quarterback and Garrett Wilson and Olave were gone. Obviously still well, Marvin Harrison. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's just like a million. I, mean, I, don't, I don't know. There. I don't, I don't know if that works because Julian, like Julian Fleming, who didn't even declare was actually the highest rated recruit out of all of them coming out of high school. They have so uh, like many he, good receivers. He was rated higher. He he was rated higher than Marvin Harrison. Cade Stover, their tight end, is going to get drafted. Emeka Ibuka. I don't think I said his name right, but he's going to get drafted. Like all, like, it's there. It's it's the same thing as Alabama. It's there. You're just playing with nothing but future NFL guys. Yeah, and so maybe it's the case that he's a Tua or a Mac Jones at the next level, which is you know, who knows even really what those guys are necessarily, but not elite, elite. Um, I still think he's probably going to be a long-term start. Like he's going to be effective probably. Um, anyway, I, I, I'm strapped. I, I, I think it's close. I think those guys are really tight and Richardson because Richardson's sort of higher ceiling, lower floor. I think all those guys are really tight. I think you have to have Gibbs in that mix and then you have to have JSN in that mix all sort of probably behind Bijan, but like that top six is pretty clear to me. I think this class gets really interesting starting at seven and beyond because there's, you could just go in any order after the there's, NFL draft. Yeah, there are so many question marks, right? Like, and the, there's reasons to be excited about those profiles, but they're not like amazing profiles. It's a year where, like, a lot of other years, we have some like clear hierarchy. It's a year where we don't have that. I think in the years where we have clear hierarchy, I spend too much time worrying about you know the top end guys and debating the best profiles, and I don't, I. I some of the guys that slip through the cracks in dynasty drafts, they go maybe one, two turn. They end up being really good players. The guy that always pops into my head here is Alvin Kamara. Like didn't have a great running back profile, went one, two turn, even though he had a really good landing spot, it kind of pushed him up. And we're like, yeah, he's going to catch passes. Drew Brees. Like it's going to definitely be good for him. Still went one, two turn. And I didn't end up taking him a lot, even though I loved pass catching backs. And it's just something I always regretted in dynasty. It's like, why didn't I take more Alvin Kamara at that cheap price? Like he was a good bet to make good, good receiving profile. That type of like, because his prospect profile wasn't amazing, not super athletic. There's, you know, some production issues. He was like a part-time player in college. That type of profile, we have a lot of those this year, but on in the years where we have like a lot of clear hits, I, I feel like I spent too much time on the top guys and I, I let the ones that slip through the cracks, slip through the cracks. And this well, year is like getting, really getting those picks, getting those picks right is so important. You know, right. getting it, when you have the 103, it like really sucks to waste it because if you really hit that, can ch- like that changes your whole complexion of your team around. Although the same can be true of the 112. If you just won the league and you get Jalen Waddle or T. Higgins with the 112, and like, oh shit, I just added another top 40 dynasty asset at the 112. Like that's a huge hit. Yeah. Like Justin Jefferson was going in that range. Like you get Justin Jefferson at that point. And that's that's another great example of a guy that like it felt like the nuances of his profile kind of like slips through the cracks in most classes. But like that's all this class is. So this year, I feel like I'm spending a lot more time on the like slip through the crack type profile and like the pros and cons and the nuance of it and trying to figure out if I actually, you know, really want to make the different bets. And I mean, a lot of them, the answer is kind of no, right? Like, yeah, it, it is, yeah it a is lot tough. of them. I've, I'm trading rookie picks away for starters in a lot of leagues right now, which generally is the opposite of what I'm trying to do. A lot of the time I'm trying to buy back in. I'm sort of starting to get this like twilight zoney vibe though of if I'm so certain this is a bad draft class, aren't I going to look back on this in three years and be like, you idiot, you missed the Jackson Smith and Jigba is, is the next, you know, great slot widers, you know, the next, uh, I don't know. You could, you could tell me he's better than Garrett Wilson. Like, I I don't know that that seems theoretically possible or Quentin Johnston, uh, despite he, where he's doing his pro day literally as we're doing this and he ran his 40 a bit slower than he thought he just ran a four or five flat 
which oh, is wow. not great because he's supposed to be like a freak athlete. But you you could sell me a story or you could say like, oh, Michael Meyer gets drafted by some great passing team and he's Travis Kelsey now or whatever. Like you could sell me on a lot of this stuff. Well, that's the thing with with these types of prospects is some of them hit. That's the Camara point. That's a Justin Jefferson point. Some of them hit and some of them hit in a huge way. Like we can we can give prospect scores to all these prospects we can look at them analytically and on film and, and come to a pretty decent conclusion and include their draft capital the nfl doesn't even get this right the bottom line they're they're still bets there's still variance in whether or not they hit sort of like it's it's a lot like a lot of other bets where you know it's like 60 percent likely that this happens or 80 percent likely but there is variance and sometimes you know unexpected stuff happens sometimes there's stuff we miss it doesn't even necessarily mean that it was knowable like you've got to know going in you're making a probabilistic bet that's really like the whole game that we play. And there are a lot of those profiles this year. And if you think about how many there are, yeah, I agree with you. Like some of them are going to hit. It's trying to figure out which one of them is going to overperform the profile that we've, that they've shown for whatever reason. Um, and it is what makes this a really fascinating class because I like JSN to me is, is like a lock. Like he's in that top six. He looks like, I think people overstate the slot stuff. Like, oh, he's, slot only so they can't be a good performer like cooper cup was slot only for a lot of years then he started playing outside and then yeah he that's greatest wide receiver I, season ever i haven't heard anyone make that analogy yet i feel like the one people go to is keenan allen of like keenan a lot of good seasons very dependable when he was active but never threatened to be you know like a guy you had to have to win one year but cooper cup not like crazy athletic, you know, didn't, didn't burn down. I don't even think he got, was he at the combine or was he a pro day? I don't remember. It doesn't matter, but never the thing you pointed out about Cooper cup was, Oh, he's so fast. Oh, he's so X, Y, and Z. It was all like, yeah, really intelligent, crazy route runner, never drops any passes. And maybe most importantly, like went to a coach that was like totally dedicated to using him in ways that, that exemplified what he was good at, which weirdly, I think the fact that JSN isn't some mega prospect maybe even makes that more likely. Yeah. Cause he goes in those mid and you know, he might go from 12 to 25 or something where a team maybe trades up for him or they're like, Oh, this was the top rated guy on our board. We didn't think he would be there. Let's take him. Like it, it's going to be a guy who really wants him, which is kind of interesting. I agree, man. And and like, dude, those agility numbers were legit. Like they were 98th, 99th percentile cone shuttle stuff. And his 40 ended up being decent. Like, he's a better athlete than I expected, and I don't think we're talking enough about that. But, like, he's a really good prospect. I think he's going to be very good, and I don't think there's actual limitations to him being slot, like, as a like a lead slot player in the current NFL. Like I, And to your point, you, I agree. I don't think anyone's going to draft him as, like, a thought of as a, as a, a lead slot, like, mainly a slot guy. Um unless they have a slot position on their roster, unless they're going to like use him that way, unless they're thinking he's the next Keenan Allen or what have you. So I, yeah, I mean, I think he's a really high floor guy, but a lot of the dudes like Jordan Addison, uh, you know, Quentin Johnson, you mentioned, you, you go on and on. I think Zach Charbonnet is really interesting. I think he could be a complete bust. He had to transfer. He goes to a Chip Kelly. He's, offense. And he's going to get pumped. Zach Charbonnet I'm in on him. He's going to end up being like the seventh or eighth rookie pick. And he's going to go so high in best ball mania four. he's going to, he's going to be like a fourth or fifth round pick in best ball mania four. I mean, he's big he catches passes. He's productive. The chip Kelly thing I was going to say is like, you know, Royce Freeman, LaMichael James, like he's had productive running backs in the past. It didn't really do it at the NFL level. Is it just the chip Kelly system? And he, and Charbonnet is not particularly athletic. Like he's, he's big and, and he's decently fast, but he's, he's not he's like a, James. He's James Connor. He's James Conner or, but then there's also Alvin Kamara and, you know, he's not as big as Le'Veon Bell and, and David Johnson and those guys. But Le- Le'Veon Bell is like the really high end of like, you could sell yourself on this guy, losing a little bit of weight, getting NFL nutrition, NFL training, and like, gets like a little bit marginally faster. But at that level, those margins mean a lot. Like I, you could, I could see it. Yeah. I mean, it's not out of the equation when you get a bigger back that can catch passes and, I mean, so like, he's the kind of guy where I'm like, I can sell myself on that bet. Like, I, I do think there's a really solid chance he's just a guy. But I also think when guys like him with his sort of profile hit, they can hit in really big ways. Arian Foster is another one that came out of nowhere, bigger back, could catch, 
sort of a smoother runner. So more of like, you know, described as a glider, as a runner. A lot of the other guys I mentioned similar, because if you watch Charbonnet, he doesn't pop. He doesn't look explosive. He's probably a product of Chip Kelly's system. That's probably why he was so productive in college. But like, I don't know, size and the receiving and all of that from a profile perspective, that's a bet that I do want to make. That's the one that where it's like, if there is a Camara that I missed on this year, it's probably Charbonnet. I think that, I think that seems about right. I mean, I could tell myself a story about Tajay Spears, Zach Evans, and, He's and I think smaller though, right? Spears. Yeah. Spears is small. The, the, probably the most compelling thing pre-draft is that there are quite a few number of good offenses that have like a pretty open role in the backfield. Right. So like the Cowboys need a compliment to Pollard. I don't think no, no one really thinks Pollard's going to get 350 touches. The chiefs right now have three running backs under contract. It's, it's Pacheco, it's Clyde and um, the practice squad guy. I don't even remember. I don't even remember. He didn't play at all last year. I don't even, I don't even remember his name. So I'm not anticipating him being a part of it. Uh, you know, we'll see what uh, the Bengals do with this. So they let P Ryan go, but I mean, Mixon, they might just decide to get rid of him. Um, I, I don't actually don't know why he's still on the roster. Like they could use the Bengals could use that seven and a half million dollars. They could save by cutting him for sure. Um, you know, like there, there, there are a lot of teams that sure. I think in, on, in round two and round three could, uh, could talk themselves in and there'll be, there'll be some guy who's like, a he's like, oh, he's the Israel Abba, Abacanda, Abacanada. Yeah. He had, he had his pro day yesterday. I mean, if he gets picked 48th overall by some, the chargers or whatever, like that, he could yeah. go in the first round of rookie drafts. Oh, for sure. I mean, he's, and he's a bigger guy too. Like I'm looking at the guys that have a little bit more size. That's the other thing um, with this class and a lot of these profiles is size is just a, a real concern. I, Size is not as much of a concern in the modern NFL as it was 10 years ago. I'm I'm concerned for all these baby wide receivers who weigh there's less than I do. Receivers. Yeah. I mean, there's some tiny, tiny receivers and there's some tiny running backs that are, you know, De- Devin A-Chain is going uh, really high in some of these mocks and stuff. Deuce Vaughn and like these guys are not. Big. No, Deuce like, Vaughn. Was- Deuce Vaughn is going to be fine. He's like uh, Deuce Vaughn. Deuce Vaughn. I would compare him to like a Tolkien dwarf. He's much stronger and stouter. <laughs> Than you think he's he's uh, he is very overpowered. His player cough. His player cough is like is Gimli? I I a, a Tolkien is Gimli? name. Gimli. Yeah. All right, there we go. I love it. Yeah. Um, no. I, I like the dudes like Tank Bigsby, who are who's ten ten, right? Like a little bit bigger, has a little bit of a pass catching profile. Like that's a guy again. Like with the Charbonnet thought, like a little bit later. Don't know his draft capital, but if he gets decent draft capital, he's a guy that I want to be in on. Abaconda is another one you mentioned. Bigger dude, and if he goes high enough, like, yeah, I mean, I'm going to be in on that. As I mean, these receivers are not, like, I love prospecting receivers. These receivers are not without warts. So if there are running, like, this is a year where I want to take some swing on some running backs in the early second. You know, usually at the one-two turn of my rookie drafts, I'm, like, really heavily in on receivers because there's always a guy or guys that are like second round receivers, good profiles. They're the wide receiver six or seven in the class. And I think that are, they're being overlooked a little bit. I don't really think this class is going to give us that at receiver necessarily. So it's a fun class to take some swings on receiver on um, running backs. That's something that Reeves talks about a lot is that people sort of draft dynasty in, in this backwards way where they kind of lock in like we were just talking about Charbonnet, about Gibbs, you know, lock in the running back with your first pick. You're getting, you're locking up those points. And then, you know, we're just taking darts on wide receivers. We're like, you know, uh, Rasheed Rice or whatever, you know, just, but like, actually your chances of getting a Damian Pierce are like pretty reasonable in the second oh, yeah. and third rounds. Like you're just uh, Isaiah Pacheco. Ramondre like, Stevenson. I, Pacheco and yes, yeah, Ramondre is a great example. These guys were fourth round rookie picks. Yeah. The the hit rate the hit rate of fourth round rookie picks for running backs has got to be like I don't know, 30% of the time you start that guy at least once on your team or whatever. I mean, it's and a then, lot higher than the fourth round receivers. Or, Way higher. Or quarterbacks or tight ends. Yeah. yeah. So, I think tight ends one as well that I, I know that's a Sean Siegel, my co-host at, at Stealing Bananas loves to talk about trying to tack on uh tight ends in those ranges and that's the other place if you are concerned about some of these receiver profiles this is a deep tight end class i think you could take some swings at tight end in those ranges too but yeah i mean i'm with you like the the running backs that you can get at in the 
third, fourth round of your rookie drafts. And then, yeah, I was going to, I was going to add the tight ends as well though. But I mean, take, take the swings in the right positions, you know? Which is, it's sort of, it's sort of hard to do when you're on the clock. That's one of, that's actually one of the hardest things about um, like doing content for these drafts versus just like logging in and doing your rookie draft when it's time is like, you're, you're so player taked, which is sort of the opposite of how we do best ball and and our season long stuff is like yeah i mean obviously we have player takes but a lot of times we're like trying to follow the right structure and you know make sure that our rosters like compositionally make sense but with rookie drafts you're like no dude i need i need deuce vaughn i need dalton kincaid i need who you know i need darnell washington if i don't get darnell washington in this spot i'm gonna physically pass out like i can't (laughs) not have darnell washington i'm 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 lower than everyone on Darnell Washington. I don't think he will ever post a top 12 tight end season, which is very easy to do. I just think he is going to be so typecast by whatever team takes him as a blocker. Totally possible. Yeah. I mean, but there's at least a handful or six tight ends that are worth considering. He's one of them. Right. But like, it's which pretty... is about six more than are in a normal fantasy right. class. <laughs> right. It's a good, it's a good deep tight end class, which is, I mean, if you're in tight end premium, like people still won't take them, but like just the, the value of hitting on one is so high. It really is. If you hit on like a real, like uh, if you hit on Mark Andrews, like that's massive. If this guy, if the guy you take turns into Dalton Schultz, like giant win. Dalton Schultz yeah. just signed to like the worst team. He's going to be useless. You could still get a second round pick for Dalton Schultz, I think. Oh, for sure. It's like it's such a bad position and so hard to find the answers that um and, and the the really popular thing right now is to talk about how we have like even the nfl is not very good at identifying which tight ends are good and we have been bad at identifying which tight ends are good because a lot of the really good tight end prospects have not been great oj howard is one that came up recently uh mark no, andrews i noah just mentioned no fan is the all-time example where i thought he was going to be unreal andrews was the second tight end drafted on his own team they took hayden hurst you know in the first round i mean there's like a bunch of these dudes um I, I think there was another one that was drafted by some team that plays down in georgia but i don't know who he is uh but yeah i mean there's like a lot of these tight ends that 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 guy is not one that i'll name that don't necessarily pan out to the letter uh or to the level that we want them to at the same time like that doesn't mean you never take a tight i mean it, it's an argument for maybe taking the swings on in the third fourth round but i also think in a class like this like it's still an argument for taking michael meyer if you want to if you want to make that swing and you're at a good cost in the you know I mean, he might be a mid-second in some tight end premiums because people still just don't get there. That it, like tight ends are worth pretty taking. pretty landing pretty landing spot sure. dependent for him. Sure. Like you could, I mean, I don't I think you could see the Bills or the Chiefs. I mean, the Bengals have. I guess they have less of a hole at tight end now that they took Herb Smith. But there are there are plenty of teams that I could see taking him that would get the people way more frothy than if the Panthers took him or something. And then he goes like one ten or something, which at that point like. Oh, I mean, if the if if the Chiefs use a first round pick on him, he's like high at like he might in, be the one hundred seven. <laughs> yeah, like he go, but or or even the Bills, honestly, even because the Bills pick at twenty seven, there is a good chance that they take Josh Downs or Jalen Hyatt. That's that's sort of what all the buzz is. But those guys could also both be gone. I could I could for sure see them being like bucket let's just take michael meyer or dalton kincaid or whatever because we need another guy who's like a little bit versatile and we've struck out so hard um with slot wide receivers like every slot wide receiver they've tried for the last two years has been so like their offense was at, at their best this is true when cole beasley was playing and you could kind of be like yeah we'll just play more 12 personnel kind of gets us into that type of offense or if they take down I, let's talk about downs for a second do you like him i mean like i kind of like that of all the small guys he's basically slot only and i actually think that's like a kind of a positive to what you just said about the bills i, I haven't heard that they're so in on him but if they took him and what you just said like how good their offense was when they had beasley if he's the next beasley i'd be in on that i think i've gone he's... i've been like all the way out on downs like thinking the NFL is going to look at this 171 pound, like pretty fast, but not like crazy fast. I don't know. But, but now it seems that all the buzz around him from the guys who are plugged in, you know, the, the McShays and everything, like it's, it's all positive. It's all teams being in on him. 
So that makes me think that I was wrong. The one, the one who I really can't sell myself on is Hyatt. We're like Hyatt is a weird prospect. Yeah. Hyatt is like an overage prospect who didn't break out to his final year, had to wait for the guy who was more well-regarded than him, Cedric Tillman, to get hurt. Then he had this crazy game against Alabama. I, I think he had I, I gotta look this up. He had like he had like 350 yards and four touchdowns against he had Alabama. Five TDs against Alabama, yeah. I think. Yeah. Which but is the, like it, they had kind of like nuts. a gimmick. They had kind of a gimmicky offense. He didn't um earn like volume at all in his first two years. It's not that he just didn't waited to break out. Like he did nothing until last year. Like really, really nothing. I had I was looking at his um targets per out run in yeah, college. Yeah, he had, like, had four hundred and fifty. He had four hundred and fifty. I was wrong. I was just I was mixing him up in my head with Tillman. He's not he's not overage, but he yeah, he so if you look at his 2022 game logs, uh roughly roughly 30% of his production came against Alabama and Tennessee Martin. So it's which, so weird that he was so good against Alabama though. I mean, that's Alabama. It's crazy. There I've seen this thrown out about Hooker too is people talking about kind of the gimmicky offense, the Tennessee run. It kind of like the old run and shoot I think is sort of what it's based off of which does sort of the opposite of what the, the NFL is kind of going the other way. The NFL is more right. like West coast stuff now, but Hyatt is first two years basically wasn't a, a complete non-prospect statistically. And then last year, I mean, he still didn't even really earn volume that well. He was just crazy, crazy efficient. And you're talking yeah. about how it's just mainly a couple games. Like it could be just a couple matchups where, Alabama didn't want to make that adjustment and they just kept letting him beat them. Cause they were like, you know, our game plan should work. It's it's also like, if you've like, I watch a decent amount of college football, like sometimes just crazy shit happens in college right. football. Like that's kind of like when, like when one thing really sticks out in your mind, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. College football is just a bizarre, like you're, you're in a, a stadium full of a hundred thousand screaming people. It's like the most tense moment of like all these kids lives you know, on the defense because they're like getting their ass reamed by Nick Saban. And they're like, <laughs> you know, it's it's just like, I don't know. It's just it's yeah. and and so much of what looks good about him from a statistical profile comes down to that game. Now obviously we are not counting absolutely thrashing Alabama against you. You know, I would say that's that's probably a positive that you crushed all these crazy future NFL defenders. I mean, it's, it's like, I, cause I'm pretty out on him too. I'm with you. And he's one of the guys that I, I have just not been able to get in on, but um, it is like the hardest thing in the world to be out on a guy who did that to Alabama. Like that's, I, I want to, I want that to be the one reason that I'm in on him too. But I mean, it is just a lot easier for me to see it as like a, a really cool footnote in this guy's long-term career but that he's not necessarily that great. And, and we just look back and we're like, God, he had that one awesome game against Alabama and that kind of tricked us all. The rest of his profile is not that awesome. Um, as opposed to what he did last year in that offense and sort of what the scouting reports are and the fact that he didn't really earn a ton of, of volume at any point in college, but was just really efficient last season. Um, and And then that indicates that he goes on to be like, an elite receiver. I don't think he's going to be elite. Like maybe he can go on to be a good receiver at the NFL level. Maybe at least last year was an indication that in the right spot, he can be productive, right? Like that's, that's probably a, a positive view of, of what Hyatt's ceiling is, but I don't think I'm going to miss on a superstar with him. I don't think I'm going to miss on, you know, the next Justin Jefferson or something. And he's going to be pricey in rookie drafts. I think he's going to go late first. So I'm pretty out on him at that price. But I like Mims as kind of an arbitrage play yeah. on him. Very similar skill sets. Weird, you know, Mims was recruited to Oklahoma. He's like, oh, I'm going to go play with all these Heisman quarterbacks. Then then Lincoln Riley left, and he, like, the circumstance, he was pretty decent in the context that he played, though. And uh, I guess we're just not counting being small against wide receivers anymore, I guess. So you can be <laughs> up. I guess, I guess after watching Devonta Smith do what he did, you could just be 175 pounds right. and be an NFL wide receiver. I mean, they changed the rules enough. You can't be physical with these guys. It's just not, it, it, it kind of makes some sense. But no, I mean, Mims, I'm totally in with you on that too. I have Mims actually ranked one spot ahead of Hyatt right now. And Hyatt's going to get more draft capital, but like. What if Hyatt, what if Hyatt is the one that goes to the Bills? <sighs> probably, I'll probably flip that. I mean, I'll probably move Hyatt up a little bit. Like you I do think the way the NFL offenses are going, we need to be a little bit more like 
I think for a long time, it's been really easy to be like wide receivers, a position of talent, running backs, a position of opportunity, um, you know, tight end opportunity to some degree too, where the guy is running the routes. I do think wide receivers becoming the position of, of like situation and opportunity a little bit more. Like it, it does matter. Like what happened in Atlanta last year was very much a function of them not throwing any passes. Right. And right. Like the bears offense, like just couldn't have good receivers. And then there, like we talked about how Cooper cup was, you know, you, you made a great point about how he's been utilized. His strengths have been built up by Sean McVay. Like if a coach is really trying to build his, you know, his offense around a wide receiver or, build him into it or he fits really well into a scheme or a system or with a quarterback or whatever, that can be a huge boost. And that's always been true, but <clears throat> I focus so much on like targets power run and stuff. And I, I really think that the receivers dictate a lot of what, of their success and failure, but a, a guy like Jalen Hyatt going to a team like Josh Allen, like, yeah, yeah. Josh Allen's difficult to sack. He's going to extend plays and he's got a, a, a huge arm. Jalen Hyatt's efficiency probably matters. Like I was in on Gabe Davis for the same reason, you know, like I'll, I'll probably, <laughs> being on Hyatt, at least in basketball, at least, you know, he's going to have some long touchdowns on that, on that team. If he goes there. Yeah. Which is the, those, those points are good. Uh, it's yeah. good. It's good. It's good to have guys who can score. So uh, what Gabe, I mean, Gabe had a three catch, 198 yard, two touchdown game last year, which is like, it's an insane stat line. Uh, you know, pretty, pretty right. good stat line though. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I got that's a good that's a good hour long. We don't need to we don't need to go to like I just I'm now to the point of draft season where I'm like I need to get these guys on a team. Like I need like I I have talked about uh y- y- you know Luke Musgraves 40 time. Like enough we got to we got to <laughs> we got to get we got to get to the season. We got to get some some answers uh in terms, and and the, not just on a team but draft capital man like it's so hard with this class to really get into these firm takes until we know where they land. Like you just said, Jalen Hyatt, we're sitting here talking negative about him, but if Hyatt goes to the bills, I changed my whole perspective on it. Right. Like it's, it's good. It's if you get him in the first round to Buffalo, like, yeah, I'm going to be willing to be in on that. So, I mean, yeah. it's going to be, uh, it's going to be fun when we see the draft, but you're right too. We, we still have like three, four weeks, man. We got a long time to wait until we actually get those answers. Yeah, we need I need underdog to launch a new contest. The big board is about full. I, I kept off from getting too much into that, but they if they do like a super flex contest or something, I, I know I'm gonna find myself in those waters. Oh, yeah. I can't I can't help. I've been making a lot I I must be bored because I've been making a lot of dynasty trades. I've just been bored and I don't not loving the class, so way more willing to trade the picks I have than than normal. I think yeah. it's a I think it's a good year. Also, a lot of my teams are like coming out of a tank which is that's actually fun to have like all these extra picks and you hit on a couple guys and you're like, all right, I'm ready to, I'm ready to come fifth place in this league instead of 10th. It's a good, <laughs> it's a good feeling. Coming up. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, I'm in some of those leagues with you and you have like an envious position. You have all the assets. It's fun to come out of that and, and have all the picks. And, and like you said, you already have a couple good young players on those rosters. Like those are fun teams. Those are fun. It's a, it's a lot more fun then one of the one of the worst spots in dynasty is championship contender have either won the championship or been to the championship game or whatever but it's just all dudes who are hanging on by a thread you know you got uh you you, you were starting Zeke last year yeah. you have Travis Kelsey uh Chris Godwin Mike Evans you know and and you're just like what you, do I do you Alvin can't Kamara. even sell them off it's, no. it's all present value. It's no future value. No one's going to give you anything for it. And you're like, oh God, this yeah, is going to hurt. Yeah. It's, <laughs> you're, you're, you're really just like, it's like an all time, like, uh, like uh, Dink and I co-manage one where we have Mahomes is like our premium asset. And then it's, it's a hundred percent guys who are going for like rookie third round picks, but who score points, you know, like Darren Waller, Alvin Kamara. We we were starting Melvin Gordon as recently as this last year, and we won the title two years ago. And we just finally said, "Whatever you give us, what you send us something, and it's within reason." We're just clicking accept because we're so done uh, starting thirty seven year olds. Yeah, <laughs> we're ready to start the rebuild. I can't yeah. hang on to this for three years. Uh, all right, what's coming on the Substack? What are you working on right now? Uh, I mean, I usually don't do a ton of dynasty stuff in the off season. I'm working on um, some 
theory posts, uh, some uh, a big targets per out run breakdown will be coming soon enough. I was supposed to have it done by now, but like team by team, and I go through each of the uh, uh, last year's rosters and go through sort of what how the targets were earned and what these like. I, I focus more on vets this time of year. I think it's uh, fun to talk well, a lot a, about these a, rookies, but that's a good that's a good niche because everyone's right. doing rookies right now. Everybody's talking rookies, but I'm I'm excited to really dig in um, to to the early ADP in in best ball and and what um, values there are out there. I haven't been doing a ton of drafting myself yet, so I haven't dug in a ton yet, but. Um, yeah, a lot of that kind of stuff will be coming in the next few weeks. But yeah, taking a little time off too. I've been taking some time off stealing bananas on the pod. But ship chasing, stealing bananas, stealing signals. That's uh, that's where you can find me. All right, there we go. Everyone, thank you to uh, one Mr. Ben Gretsch for coming on the program. And we'll be back with ADP chasing tomorrow. See you then. Bye. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a house. It's your home. The place that's filled with memories. The early days of figuring it out to the later years of still figuring it out. For the place you've put down roots, trust Amica Home Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy.